0: podcast. Welcome to the Planet Microcap podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. Thank you all so much for the support and for tuning in. Do me a quick favor. If you like what you hear at Planet Microcap, please take two seconds and give us five stars on Spotify or Apple. This helps with the search engine so that more folks can also discover and engage with all things microcap stocks. Next up, the Planet Microcap showcase Vegas happening April 30 through May 2nd, 2024 at the Paris Hotel and Casino. Save that date. We are working our tails off behind the scenes to put together the best program we can. Announcements coming soon on initial sponsors, a couple speaker announcements. I'm extremely excited, but let's finish out 2023 and then we'll get there. So uh, the website is now live. So if you'd like to register to participate, please visit planetmicrocapshowcase.com. See you in Vegas. My guest on the show today is Eric Conrad, Portfolio Manager at Peapod Lane Capital. I was introduced to Eric by Doug Porter from Acuitas Investments. Thank you, Doug. And I had the chance to meet him recently in New York. Eric is a self-described extreme value investor. And while uncovering what that means to him, we started getting into his generalist strategy, investing in healthcare. We've been covering the bloodbath and healthcare biotech here at the podcast. And so I, I wanted to learn more about how Eric is approaching looking at a sector that's been beaten down. Thank you again for tuning into the Planet Microcat podcast, and please enjoy my interview with Eric Conrad.
1: Eric, thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? Hey, thanks so much for having me on.
0: Absolutely. No, we really appreciate it. And shout out to uh, Doug Porter from for ACUITAS for introducing us. And, uh, you know, uh, we actually had a chance to meet in New York when I was there to have a coffee and, you know, uh, meet up and talk a little bit. So I appreciate you jumping on here again and sharing some of the stuff that we also talked about because I thought it was fascinating, some of the stuff you got going on in the micro and nano cap space.
1: Yeah, th- you know, it's great meeting you and um, happy to be on and happy to have the, uh, the conversation.
0: Absolutely. All right. So let's kick this off. You know, for those that, you know, don't know, you haven't heard of Peapod Lane Capital before. Can you give us a little bit about your investing background and then what led to your founding of Peapod Lane?
1: Sure. Sure. My quick background is um, uh, University of Chicago undergrad, worked MBA. I worked for um, Mary Gabelli, Gabelli Asa mansion as an analyst after business school. I spent uh, a few years at a hedge fund in, in New York after Gabelli. Um, but I was always investing my personal money in off the beaten track, um, deeply out of favor, uh, primarily micro and anticap stocks, stocks that you had to figure out yourself, do your own research on. I get success doing it. And that led to the genesis of Peapod Lane Capital. And the way we look at the world, we're deep value investors, basically looking for stocks that are deeply out of favor. Um we have an asset-based approach. So for those of you who have read Gramadot, Dodd, it's, we look for a lot of net-net type stocks or things that, you know, in today's world that sort of will correlate to net-net type stocks. And that leads us to the micro and anti-cup space. That's where there's less competition, um, you know, for all the obvious reasons, you know, it's the do-it-yourself market Um, limited buy side overlap, uh, limited sell side coverage. Sometimes things get irrationally cheap, Um, and that's what we do. We tend to have a portfolio of 50 names or so. Um, Typical market cap is our sweet spot is under 300 million market cap. Our typical average market cap is under 200 million. Um, We're really looking for deeply out of favor, which is 50 tweak lows, multi-year lows, stocks where we think or where we have a margin of safety on the downside, um, stocks that own assets. Uh, and that's really in a nutshell what we do. We're, t- we're a two-person team. So I'm the portfolio manager. My part- partner, Martin, um, does trading kind of everything else. And, uh, you know, that's, that's Peapod Lane in, in a nutshell.
0: Very cool. Thank you for that full overview and kind of, a, yeah. you know, the high-level look at how you guys do things. You know, so I wanted to, you know, firstly, it's so funny how, you know, when you're at a bigger shop as an analyst, you know, you're looking at the large cap stocks, but at at night you're like, man, these small micro nanos (laughs) are just so, this is is the good stuff, man. Like, "Ah, I just want to be doing that, but you can't when you're at those bigger shops, right? (laughs) Like, it's just, it is what it is, you know?
1: Uh, Absolutely.
0: (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, you said that, you know, you guys are Deep value shop, but I mean, on your website, I, you you take it a step further. You say you're extreme value shop, you know. So, you know, you kind of alluded a little bit to your investing philosophy already at the beginning there. But you know, I, I wanted to better understand what you mean by extreme value investing. How is that even more down the rabbit hole than deep value investing?
1: <laughs> I guess that's really a subjective <laughs> question, you know. So, what we're looking for are things that are, you know really baby thrown out with the bathwater. It's multi-year lows, 52-week lows. And the way we're looking at value, we're not looking for, we're looking at low price to assets. So when we look for stock for screen for low price to book asset stocks, um, it's very much of a, you know, Graham and Dodd type strategy or water slosh. Um, for those you, for, for of you who are familiar with him Stocks trading, stocks that have assets, in a lot of cases, it's just simply working capital, trading at a discount. Other other times, it's, it's real estate at a discount. Stocks where, theoretically, you could buy some of these companies and theoretically buy them at a discount to where they theoretically could be liquidated at. Not that we expect liquidation ever to happen because that's just not the kind of the way the world works that's not the motivations for the management teams and the board of directors to to liquidate companies but stocks where we can own them discount to theoretical liquidation value where we get the operating businesses for free or or super low price so when we say extreme value investing that's really what we're talking about you know stocks that are just so cheap where the where the low price itself can be its own catalyst um and that that's what we say when we mean extreme value investing and we also say it to differentiate ourselves a little bit from you know when people say value investing it's usually a, you know um low price pe low price to cash flow but we're low price to asset so it's it's just just our way of differentiating ourselves
0: I look forward to reading your book one day, you know, uh, that's going to be right there next to Tobias, Toby's book, you know, for deep value. It's going to be extreme, deep, 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 extreme value. Um, but I, I, love, I, just, I, I love that, for especially from a marketing perspective. It's just so it's like seven-minute abs, six-minute <laughs> abs, you know. Um, <laughs> but, um you know, okay, so digging even a little further, because this is something that we talked about when we were yeah. having our coffee together, and I thought it was fascinating. And that really has to do with this contrarian approach as well to micro and nano cap value and, you know, this idea of deeply out of favor. So for you, I mean, kind of – Touch on a little bit here, but what are some of the metrics that you consider when you're saying, okay, I want something that's deeply out of favor? Here are some of the metrics that we're looking for when we do, you know, some of our simple screens or anything like that.
1: Yeah. So, so our initial screen for in terms of idea generation, we screen on the the simplest thing to screen on is price to book. I mean, that's what's out there. Um, I mean, obviously, book value is an accounting term; it's not necessarily economic reality, but that's what we can screen on. And we screen very broadly. Um, so we screen stocks uh, generally under one times book, usually generally under one times debt to equity, um, stocks that are hitting 52-week lows, stocks that are falling by any great amount in any given day, as well as busted IPOs and busted secondaries. And from there, we get that list, and we pull up balance sheets. Um, 90% of the time, it takes us five minutes to say this isn't going to fit our, you know, what we're looking for. But what we're looking for is, um, as I said, assets. For us, it's are they in net net stock? That's really our our bread and butter. They, but it's also are they is are we can we own real estate at a discount? Can we own land at a discount? Um, so we pull up the balance sheet, pull up cash flow, we pull up the 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 income statements as well. Um, but it's where can we own assets at a discount? Where do we have margin of safety? Where are these stocks priced so irrationally cheap? A lot of what we do is also we're thinking about behavioral uh, economics as well. Why is something cheap? Um, you know, pe- we all have our biases. One of which is you know recency bias. Stock goes down. It's very easy to take out the ruler and think it's going to go down forever. But sometimes that's that's not the case. Sometimes it. You know, in, in a very simple example, the company may have $4 of cash, no, do- no debt, trading at $2 uh, you know, per share. And you know maybe that's an interesting investment. Maybe it has a, a, a business that makes sense. But it may have been IPO'd five years ago as a growth stock at 20, and now it's trading at two. And people are selling just because it's gone down. It's not a growth stock anymore. There may be tax loss reasons going on. There may be getting kicked out of an index. Um, so that's really what we're doing. It's, it's a very broad screen, looking at trying to find stocks that fit our fit what we're looking for. So everything we look we own in the portfolio is gonna there's gonna be a lot of similarities to them. It's gonna be you're gonna on the surface there's gonna be some reason why it's gotten cheap. It's gonna be some reason why it's gotten so out of favor, um, but it's gonna have hard assets. Make sure it be net next, maybe cash at a discount, maybe real estate at a discount. And IP? What's that?
0: Do you, do you consider IP as part of that as well?
1: We don't. I mean, not on the downside. Okay. On the upside, we do. I mean, there, there's there's two questions there. So on the downside, we take a super conservative approach because um, we want margin of safety on the downside. Um, but when we consider the other side of the question, okay, let's think about the downside, how you not lose money, how do you make money? That's the other part of it. So what's the upside? How do you get to the upside? Um, so the stocks we own are gonna be trading at a, you know, low price to book ratio, mm-hmm. but when, they, when, they, when things turn, you know, turn if we're fortunate enough they turn, sometimes they transition into an earnings-based company. And how do you go from that earnings space? How, how do you transition from a low price to book stock to a to a to one that's valued on cash or earnings? So yes, on the upside, we consider IP, we consider brand value, uh, but when we buy things, we're taking a very conservative approach, and we're looking, we're trying to protect your downside.
0: Well, the reason I ask, and I think you probably know why I'm asking that is because one the one, the one thing we talked about when it came to, you know, deeply out of favor, contraint. I mean, we were talking about your biotech strategy right now yeah. where you, have you know, the you bought a basket of some of these biotechs out there because I think anecdotally, you know, without even looking at any of, you know, indices and performance or anything, I think everybody listening, can, we can all agree that biotechs have just been through the absolute part of my French, the shitter. Um, In the last two years. Right. So, you know, I asked that IP question just because, I mean, and you that actually made a lot of sense when you said on the upside. Right. Because especially in biotechs, you know, Mm. you know, you're kind of basically, you know, 50, 50 in in many respects or it's event driven. You know, so I'd love to hear your idea there when it came, you know, what got you to your biotech strategy, wanting to buy the basket. And then, you know, what, what, what about it was so deeply out of favor that it became interesting to you at a certain point.
1: Yeah. So, if, I mean, first off, we're generalists. So we're going, where is the opportunity today? What's cheap? What's out of favor? Um, what fits what we're looking for? We, we we have the process, we have something very specific we're looking for. So today, and really for the past 18 months or so, um, the biotech space has been, you know, if you look at the XBI, it's been decimated. Uh, but within that, there are a lot of stocks trading a pretty big discount to cash. Um, so if you if you go back to the early days, of or I guess 2020, 2021, when you had a big bull market in these types of stocks, capital markets were wide open. You had a ton of money raised in IPOs and secondaries that went into these um, biotech stocks. In some cases they've had drugs that have failed, Um, Other times they've just, whatever the bankers sold, just the tie turned. And here we are 24, 30 months later, you had stocks that IPO'd at massively positive enterprise values in 2021, trading at massive negative enterprise values in now 2023. And the question is, you asked the question about IP, do these companies have positive IP or do they have negative IP because they're just going to burn the cash, never have a drug they can take to market? I mean, that's and what the, what, what the stock market is telling you or the public markets are telling you is it's negative IP. They're just going to burn the cash. Well, 30 months ago was the opposite story. So what's right and where should these be priced and and um so we own a, boss, a basket of them. We own, and the way we think about it, we're not trying to sit there and say, "Hey, is this drug going to work or not?" Because we don't necessarily have the skill set to do that. But what, what skill set I do have, or I think I have, or I try to have, is I know what cash is. It's fairly simple. I know what the cash burn is. I understand beca- behavioral economics. I understand why um, sometimes stocks get irrationally oversold. Um, I understand the concept of cigar uh, investing where, you know, sometimes there is a a puff left in these stocks and I've always invested in these stocks historically, um, usually on a one off basis where there was a failed drug trial um, where the stock may have gotten 50, 60, 70 percent discount to cash and um, more times than not, they worked out for me. the opportunity today is much broader because you had that huge influx of capital raised into the sector. So that opportunity set today is significantly greater today than it was um, prior to 2020. So we, we do own a pretty big basket of, of these stocks. They've, uh, we've been fortunate to have good returns in them. But it's really, you know, it's on the surface. How can someone like me own a biotech stock, right? what do I know about understanding whether a drug's going to work or not? But I understand that I can buy cash at a discount. Um, some of these companies have laid off a significant part of their staff, cut down their cash burn. Um, so for us, I like the optionality. I like the um, the risk reward profile and, and we, we own a basket of them.
0: Very interesting. I mean, is... You know, as part of your your due diligence when you're looking at at owning a basket, do you talk with management at all to get a better understanding of where where they exist or where they're going, you know, what kind of conversations they're having with Big Pharma? Because that's usually sometimes also the main catalyst, right? Is that Big Pharma is just waiting for, you know, results, data reads, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, the reality is my assumption is management teams are going to uh, maintain their salary as long. So I'm. Gonna, sure. I t- I you asked. We talked about it before. I, t- I take did. a conservative view. Look, um, um, I'm not going to say, "Hey, these are the best and free biotech stocks," because companies are obviously not. Because why are they trading at forty cents on the dollar of cash? They're not, You know, there's a reason for it, right? But is forty cents on the dollar of cash right? Or maybe it should be seventy cents on the dollar of cash, which is still a pretty big upside. Um, so but what i do know is they tell you when their trial results are going to come sometimes they've already happened and they've already said this drug's not going to work and we've massively cut spending other times i know when that trial results going to occur so i can i can run the math to figure okay they have a dollar of cash now when they release those results is going to be you know 70 cents a you know of cash at that point and what do I do? Either the results are good, or they're bad, and you know something happens. So it's the reality is, um, it's just, that's I own a basket, and I'm not trying to figure out what whether these drugs are going to succeed. I just know I'm trying to figure out when are they irrationally underpriced relative to what the balance sheet looks at like and relative to what the cat relative to what the cash flow statement looks like as well
0: 100 so percent.
1: i don't know if that's like, i don't know no, if that that, a answer but uh,
0: no, no 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 that i think that 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 pretty much uh, i mean it basically it's like look okay some people who listen to this they like to talk to management when it comes to just any you know microcap some you, you know you know where you're kind of getting into some more for the most part with biotechs you know these, for the most part, it's somebody that came from Big Pharma. They probably have a higher salary than you would like. You know, you know that they're doing whatever they can to keep that going in some respect, right? So you're kind of like, okay, I know this going in, but at the same time, like there might be something interesting about this company where, you know, four months down the road, they might have a data readout of their phase 2A or phase 2B and, you know, that could, mm-hmm. like I said, that could be a and,
1: You know, in a number of times, theory. they're actually not even trying to develop anything anymore. It's, they're um, looking to make an acquisition um, to do a reverse merger, basically take the public shell and the cash and reverse merger into something. So um, some of the ones that have really worked out well for us, we've had one liquidate. We've had a few do reverse mergers that have done very well for us. Um, and we've also had some where data that was thought to be terrible was, you know, maybe not as terrible as initially thought. So, um, you know, the 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 outcomes there there are a variety of ways for these things to work out, just so long as we pay a low enough price. Absolutely.
0: So you know, there's a number of out of favor sectors right now. I'm yeah. just curious how you landed on, you know, just quantitatively just on biotech versus let's say, I mean, junior mining stocks are just every, every generalist just said, but no, you know, or, or cannabis stock. No, you know, maybe <laughs> getting the psychedelic stuff or, 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 uh, whatchamacallit, uh what's the other one? Crypto. No, you know, yeah. like based on that, why, 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 how did you land here versus some of the other ones that are also out of favor?
1: You know, at one point in my life, and earlier in my investment career, when I started being a value investor, I would have said, "How could I possibly invest in a in a in a, um, in a biotech stock? I mean, how can I get past the fact that 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 I'm, I'm investing in busted biotech stocks?" But you know, they they hit our radar historically, um, and at some point, I you know, we, we bought one, did well in it, but another one, did well in it put another one, did well on it. And you know, we have a formula that, that that's worked. But you know, the thing is about like say so you talk about junior junior mining, you know the assets in this case is, is a lot easier to think about than a junior mining company because it's cash. I mean it's it's not it's not that complicated. If I look at a junior mining company, what's the asset? They probably don't have a lot of cash. They probably have uh I don't even know if they have a hole in the ground, but they have a pile of rocks someplace that is either worth zero or worth a lot. But if it's, it's, it's just a harder analysis for me. So, um, I mean, you talked about the junior, junior mining stocks, but in this case, you know, it's a, we really our bread and butter is net nets. And this is obviously not a classic grandma and odd net net. Considering the cash burn situation, but but it is a, a, a it is a, a they are biotechs are stocks trading at a discount to to cash and and net working capital assets, and it's just an offshoot of the net net type stock investing that we do.
0: Absolutely. So Eric, I mean, you mentioned how you know it's really it's really your experience that has led you. Like, all right, I just I know healthcare, or I know I, I we've been successful in biotech. We've bought, a few, you know, maybe from a past experience. You're maybe that first experience investing in a biotech that you're currently not a shareholder of anymore. Just as an example of your process, you know, do do you mind going into that, or or would you rather not?
1: Yeah, ha- happy to. I mean, okay. an you know, old so one,
0: one that you're not in right now. You know, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, historically, so. The opportunity today is a little different than it was historically the opportunity stays you have this huge amount of capital raised and sectors fall way out of favor in the past it was a drug failure so the stock would be down 80 90 percent and then you know drift lower to down 95 percent lower um so it was in some respects you know what cash is you know what the cash burn is um and you know what the stock price is so uh, I would historically invest in these type of stocks where I basically had a you know a, a certain amount of a certain window usually somewhere around two years or so um, where cash delay less the burn versus the price I'm paying um I thought that gave me plenty of, optionality for something to happen um and that's that's really how i thought about it and um you know prior to the you know and they might my, my, the early ones I invested in pretty much all worked out very well there they had you. they haven't all worked out i don't want to imply that but they, but no. it's, it's that i mean it's like and i'm not trying to say like you know, I, I hate talking about the drug itself or anything like that because that's not really what I'm trying to do. But um, it's tr- um, results, the way this works out is results have been more positive and reverse mergers and, and liquidations. Those things have happened and they've all happened successfully for me.
0: Absolutely. Look, my main goal today was I wanted to give folks an idea of what a generalist biotech approach can actually look like versus right. like feeling that you needed to be, you know, have a PhD or subscribe to, you know, four, you know, biotech yeah. newsletters to, you know, help you. Well,
1: I, understand, which yeah, doesn't hurt. Honest-
0: don't get me wrong, but, you know.
1: Quite honestly, if I tried to do that, um, I'm not going to be able to, if I try to subscribe to biotech, like, am I looking at these as biotech stocks or am I looking at these as cash at a discount?
0: Now that is the key the thing. That's I'm not That's the looking key at
1: these point. as. I mean, we're talking about biotech stocks, but I'm talking, but really what I'm thinking is cash at a discount. Mm. And if you can get all, I mean, but they're tricky because the outcome is a little, is there's a greater range of outcomes here. And that's why you own a basket of it. All um, right, whereas a more traditional bread and butter you know net net type stock, which is the majority of the portfolio the the outcomes look different absolutely
0: I mean, you must be a kid in the candy store you know looking at i mean geez, it's, how many how many sectors or with or companies within some of these sectors that are are trading you know at cash with cash at a discount right now i mean you know
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah yeah i mean i I've had a lot of these conversations about them. I've had a lot of pushback on it, but, mm-hmm. you know, to a certain extent that's the opportunity, right? It's um, other people not being willing to do it and um, other people thinking I'm an idiot for doing it, but that's okay. Right. I make my own decisions and 100%. the results speak for themselves. And, uh, you know that's part of being a uh, an extreme value investor. That's yeah. <laughs> that,
0: yeah, no people giving you a hard time. Like, oh man, yeah. there's so many things trading at cash with cash at a discount. You're going biotech. It's like, well, I'm an extreme value investor, dude. Like, that's yeah. just what we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, you know, just kind of kind of putting a bow on on this conversation. I mean, is there any final thoughts on that? You know, you know, maybe for those who are out here who are like, wow, you know, okay you know, now I'm looking at this, like what, is there anything else that, that folks who are listening in should, should be thinking about when it comes to the strategy, anything else that you think about when it comes to this, you, you know, know I, the turn, I don't know. Love, love yeah, your- I don't know.
1: Maybe let's talk about more broadly versus talking about specific to biotechs. like, it's, um, you know, just keep an open mind. I mean, um, you might, See a biotech stock, or you know, it could also be, you know, the, even other than biotechs, you had a lot of but the of stocks that were uh, tech technology stocks. Also, kind of look the same. Um, you know, these might these might be, you know, outside of your quote unquote circle of competence, right? The question is, are they actually outside your circle of competence, and what is their, your circle of competence? So. What is like so when I think about my circular competence, it's it's not figuring out um, drugs and trials. It's figuring out assets. And when are those assets too cheap? And when can I buy those and earn an attractive return? That's my core competence. So, you know, something on the surface may look like you know, one thing, but the reality is something else. I think maybe just keeping an open mind is is kind of the broad message, I would say. And um, you asked earlier about my history about these. It's really, you know, just, you have to just open your mind. At some point you say, you know, I'm a net-net investor. I love cash working. I love buying working capital at a discount, you know. And I would see these biotech stocks and sometimes I would not follow them and say, you know, at some point, let me just, let me try it. And it worked and tried it the second time it worked. And it's like, you know, you have to keep an open mind and, you know, you, you see what's right in front of you, maybe may one thing, but the reality, it might be something else. Absolutely.
0: So, you know, not to, you know, I, I try not to ask this as a crystal ball-y type question, but maybe, you know, as my final question to you here for, you know, because I've loved everything that we're talking about. I'm sure we're going to have you back on at some point in 2024 to discuss mm-hmm. maybe what's deeply out of favor for 2024, yeah. but you know, looking ahead a little bit, I mean, from some of the screens that you put out there and some of the things that you're seeing, is there anything that you're seeing, a sector that's looking deeply out of favor already going into
1: 2024? Uh, Other yeah. than biotech? <laughs> obviously, you've had the move in the past month. But um, retail, there's some retailers out there and uh, consumer. Um, some of those stocks are um, are... are are cheap and kind of fit our net net type profile. Um, We're really bottoms up investing. So it's, a lot of the times, it's not necessarily sector reasons something's cheap. It might be company specific reasons uh, something's cheap. So um, it's, um, you know, we've had an interesting, we've had a good year, we've had good returns this year. But what's interesting about our returns this year is we have a, a number of stocks that are up a lot but we also have a you know a large handful of portfolio that really hasn't moved all that much um and that's hopefully the source of opportunity for 2024
0: very good i think that's a great but, place to end it eric um yeah i mean final thoughts anything else that we missed today that you wanted to to share or, or think we're good
1: i think we're good i mean
0: <laughs> okay cool well yeah. then so eric with that where can our audience go and find more information on peapod lane capital
1: Sure. Uh, we have a website, Um, um Or feel free to um, give me a call
0: on 917-658-4623. Very cool. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining me today. I really do appreciate it. Good luck. Stay safe. And I look forward to our next interview.
1: All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care.
0: podcast. podcast.